Welcome to Geocache Adventures with me, Shadow Dragon One, where I explore the world of geocaching. If you like the podcast, please consider leaving a five-star review on Apple Podcast or the Geocache Adventures Facebook page, or share it with somebody that you think would enjoy it. Word of mouth is a great way to spread the podcast. You can also join Geocache Adventures on Buy Me a Coffee. Just follow Geo Adventures. That's one word: G E O Adventures on Buy Me a Coffee and get behind the scenes on every episode or become a member to unlock other exclusive content. Hi everybody, quick note before we start the episode, there were some technical issues that came up during recording that may be apparent in the audio as you're listening. I do apologize for that, I did my best to clean it up. It's still a great interview and I do hope you still enjoy it. Hi everybody, Amy Shadow Dragon one here and with me today is fellow geocacher Everse. Thank you so much for joining me today. Before we get started, can you tell us how you got geocaching? Yeah, so it was a while ago already. It's actually, it's going to be 15 years this year. It started in 2008 um, in Latvia. So I'm originally from Latvia. And uh, it was like a summer, like kind of end of the summer. Uh, but beginning still before the beginning of the kind of school year, I, I had finished high school. I was in uni, but I had my best friend who was still in high school. And so he called me one day and he's like, and yeah, also I was living because I was in uni. I was living in the capital, but I'm from a smaller hometown. Okay. And so he called me and he was like, hey, you know, when you come next time, when you come back to the home, you know, to our hometown. I'll show you something really cool. But he didn't tell me what it was, you know, before I actually turned up. So I was like, oh, you know, what is it? Anyway, so I turned up and he was like, so there's this thing, like I heard this from a friend. Uh, there's this thing, people hide boxes and then other people go and look for them. And I was like, oh, okay, you know, sounds, sounds something really strange. <laughs> but yeah you know let's let's go and try and find one and we didn't have any in our hometown and uh, the closest one was about 20k away in like a bigger town okay but, i mean at that point i'm like a broke student he's a high school uh, he's like a high school student like none of us had a car or driver's license or anything like that so we hitchhiked to the other town and also we didn't like and so that's 2008 so there's no smartphones there's, you know, we didn't have any GPS or anything. So basically he, he just, so he had registered on the site. And so he looked up the details of the geocache and he had, I think he just written them down. And so we went to the spot, like, so, but this one, it was like, a, so you didn't really need GPS because it was like an obvious big bridge and you had to kind of crawl under inside the bridge and then like, go all along the bridge inside the bridge and at the end of the tunnel you find this cache so you know okay. we didn't need gps for it we found it you know really excited saw some bats in that you know the tunnel under the bridge like exchanged some goodies and you know like uh hitchhiked back to our hometown and then so that was like yeah that was first of august 2008 and so i registered my account on the next day and then we hitchhiked back to the town again and found another cache Oh, wow. And uh, yeah, and that's that's how we started. And then I think 
maybe oh well, actually yeah i was lying when i said i was a completely broke student because i had actually started my first like full-time job in that year as well so but uh it's still i bought a gp i bought a garmin gps but not mm, i think not until a few months later so maybe okay. the law like the first 30 or so caches that was the method uh, that we were going and finding them either just a printout or some notes written down or, or i had an mp3 player with a color little tiny color screen like a 300 times 200 pixel screen okay. and so i saved screenshots of google satellite map and i put them on the i put those jpeg files on the mp3 player and then I was looking on the tiny screen and trying to trying to figure out where, I, you know, because obviously there's no GPS or anything, but, you know, I'm just looking where the cache is on the satellite map. Did you find that difficult to do with that tiny little screen and that little picture? It's it's all right. If you're in town, like if you're in like urban areas, it's fine because you then you can see, ah, you know, it's this building. It's maybe like north side of this building. But if you're in the woods, it's hopeless. Uh, then oh, you bet. know you just you just see a green, mushy you know, <laughs> and also you know 15 years ago the satellite maps weren't as detailed you know as high resolution as they are now. Right. So we were we were searching for one. I remember one particular cache we were searching for. It was kind of in the woods next to a river, and we couldn't find it. And then so a few months later, when I got my first GPS. We went back there with the GPS, and then I realized, looking at the GPS when we reached Ground Zero, that previous time we were searching like 400 meters away. Oh wow! So that was like uh, that was hopeless, you know. We that's that's a big, it. big distance away. Yeah. Well, you're here today to share with us what it's like to geocache in Latvia and also New Zealand, but you've geocached in many countries. So how many countries have you been geocaching in? So total I've cached in 44 countries. And um, plus um, I have done one ad lab in uh, Houston airport, but uh, oh, okay. yeah, that doesn't, uh, ad labs don't add to your country list because uh, that was just a transit and Plus, I have also found one cache in Transnistria, which is like an unrecognized country state in Moldova. Okay. Uh, but, you know, for um, general purposes, yeah, it's 44 caches. Uh, I mean, 44 countries. Uh, and I've found at least one cache in, in each of those 44 countries. But, you know, there's some countries in there. So I've count, I've, I've looked through the list and I counted the 10 Ten of those countries, I've found one to four caches, and that's that's really just like either passing through or you know stopped over on a layover and then just walked around the airport or you know something like that. So like ten of those, I can't really say I've been there, and you know like it's just like I oh, yeah, stopped and found a cache for a for a check mark. But um, I could I could say that. The 30, 34 of those countries I've actually really, you know, like been through and traveled through and uh, yeah. And even some, some there's a, some countries that uh, like Moldova, for example, or Laos, they only have, 
Well, or at least in that point when I was there, they only had about 20 caches in the whole country. And then oh, I okay. found, even though I only found five, that's still a, that means I still found a quarter of all the caches in the country. Yeah, that's a high percentage rate. Yeah. If there's only yeah. 20 there. So as we've talked before this interview, you found the most in Latvia and New Zealand. So how many have you found in those two countries? So in Latvia, I have found 3,944. And in New Zealand, 4,021. So just recently, just in the last month, in that there was that uh, April uh, challenge wheel thing from Groundspeak. Mm-hmm. And uh, I went out to do to to reach those hundred caches for the challenge. Went out and did like this little mystery trail um, close to where I live, and that ticked me over. That um, you know that tipped those scales over to New Zealand. Now I found more caches in New Zealand than in Latvia. So yeah, and, that's significant um, numbers in both. Yeah, so there's total, there's, I, I just looked just before, and there's total eight, no, 6,899 geocaches in Latvia at the moment, total, okay. and 31,257 geocaches in New Zealand. So it's quite a bit of a difference, but then again, New Zealand's also four times the landmass, so. It's quite a bit of, bigger, kind, yeah. Kind of makes sense. So it's also also about four times more geocaches. So the kind of the cache density is pretty similar, and uh, and New Zealand has that two two main islands, and it's also pretty even. And it's fifteen thousand in South Island where I live, and sixteen thousand in North Island. Okay. But yeah, so I've for the last seven years I've lived in New Zealand, and um, even still. Um, yeah, I've, you know, if you look at the percentage, then I've still technically found more than 50% of caches in Latvia, although lots of the ones I have found are archived now. But if you look at Project GC stats, the percentage just counts. Even they are archived, it counts towards your total percentage. So you've been busy geocaching, it sounds like. Yeah, well, and then again, it's 15 years, so... You know, if you look at those other, some of those other profiles, uh, you know, that started five years ago and now they have found 20,000. So in in that sense, I'm not maybe even that prolific, you know, like I <laughs> found it, you know, less than a thousand caches per year on, on average. So that's, that's still a lot. <laughs> I mean, it's still a lot, that's but, a lot. It's, but it's, it's not yeah, a lot for you know, some other geocaches. I understand what you mean. So let's start with talking a bit about Latvia. So can you tell us, for those of us who aren't very familiar with the country, what is the landscape like? What's the culture of that country like? Yeah, so it's a small, um, yeah, first of all, it's a small northeastern European country. Uh, Yeah, if you look at the map, you know, kind of look at the border of like the Western border of Russia, that's where we're sitting uh, by the Baltic Sea and uh, just south of Finland, north of Poland kind of thing. That's how I always explain people. And uh, 
Yeah, so we have quite a big sea border, uh, so we're not landlocked, um, and the country's flat. So we have, in, in Latvian language, there's no different word for a hill or a mountain. So we call okay. all our hills mountains, but uh, the highest one is 312 meters above sea level. So, you know, okay. you can imagine it's just like, yeah, it's just like these low rolling hills uh, along the country. There's lots of lakes and rivers and lots of forests. So at least that's this, uh, what, what the state, uh, state uh, forest agency claims is that uh, we have like 50, 54% forest uh, of the country. So. Okay. And, uh, and there are there are lots of forests and uh, that also means the geocache is that um, you know there's lots out and about um, uh, there's no but also there's no big hikes there's no big okay. mountains to go but uh, you can still do you know you can still do a fair amount of hiking through the forest but it's just you can't find a place that would you know require you today an overnight hike to do an overnight hike to find a cache because you know everything is at least uh, you know or at most a few hours from a road okay okay but that also doesn't uh you know that doesn't mean there's no hard caches there's actually lots of hard caches um so the country of latvia is it like here in the US, we're broken up into states and the states are broken up into to counties. How is the the areas of Latvia defined? Is it do they have states? Is it uh so regions? Um, yeah, so we have regions. We have the kind of historical regions, uh, which are not they don't serve any uh, you know, they don't serve any kind of administrative purpose nowadays or there's no you know there's no different council or anything in the in the historical regions but they are still okay. really prominent in a way um yeah that's just uh yeah that's the four four main regions where the country is divided into and then but the, like legally administratively we have the we have the counties um, or okay. parishes, or how, however um, you would like to call them, municipalities. Um, okay. And there's been there's been some changes over the years. So actually, I'm quite um, yeah, I was quite happy to find. So I found at least one cache. There used to be 119 counties in the in the country, but then they did like a big administrative reform a few years ago. And now there's only 43 counties. Oh, wow. So they've reduced, change. Yeah, so they, they kind of reduced. Um, yeah, it was the whole thing, like, you know, centralizing the local, uh, like little local councils and all that. And, mm -hmm. you know, make trying to trying to make the, you know, less of an administrative apparatus like. And so, but yeah, I'm, I'm quite happy that. And it's also now it's reflected into because, you know, those stats you can't see on geocaching.com. But you can see those county stats on, well, maybe for the states you can on geocaching.com. I don't know. Um, 
you like can for US? see states in the U.S., but not yeah. uh, not counties. We have to use Project yeah. GC for that. But yeah, so on Project GC, that's also the reforms reflected now. So if you look at the Latvia on, on the stats in Project GC, you see those 43 counties, whereas you used to see the 119 before. Wow. So it, it sounds like you guys have the equivalent of county counting that uh, a lot of people here in the states like to try to get all the counties for a state. Only you yeah, I guess so. Yeah, in country, a single anyway. state. Yeah, because in the yeah. whole country, you would have what is it hundreds or is it thousands? We have a little over three thousand counties in the U.S. total. So oh, wow. between all the yeah. all fifty states, so it's it's a lot. And I have met. I, I know I'm sure there's other geocachers out there, but I, I have met um, one couple that team cached together. They they have their own accounts, but they, you know, cash together and they actually managed to hit every single county in the United States, except there's one county in Hawaii that does not allow geocaches because it's a leprosy colony. Yeah, wow. so it's it's quite the That's... quite the feat to get. It's uh, there's a total of three thousand one hundred and forty three counties in the United States. Yeah, that's a uh, it's a number. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's a lot. <laughs> um. That's uh, you know the the one third of uh, of the count of caches I have found in total. So, so in Latvia, in your experience, what makes geocaching unique there? Um. So yeah, I think the most uh, you know the most unique thing which has it's kind of normalized now, which is, uh, and it's not a bad thing in for this one because, but I can tell you what definitely was the most unique thing when I started. Well, I didn't know that it was until I went in geocache in other countries, was that in Latvia, um, the geocaches seemed, uh, most geocaches were really kind of adventurous in a sense, and the terrain ratings were really underrated. And um, which is explained with the thing uh, with the, by the demographics. So when so I started caching 2008, and I was like, uh, what was it, 20 years old? And uh, you know, then I, I didn't know any other geocaches besides my friend who told me about it. But then you know, later that year, I went to my first event, and then you know, I got to know more geocaches, and most of them were in their 20s and 30s like i would have only seen maybe a couple geocachers older than 40 and that also means you know when geocachers are go out and place geocaches you know uh yeah it's so easy to climb this tree so it's gonna be a terrain tree even though you have to climb a tree you know uh, 15 meters in you know up or uh if it's on an island in a lake you know, requires swimming or a boat, but it's not hard. So it's also terrain tree. Um, 
so it's you know the kind of those guidelines obviously there's those guidelines from Groundspeak, and you know if you need the specialized equipment that's a terrain five by default yeah but uh in latvia but that's why i'm saying it's it's more streamlined now but it used to be that you know people are like no five stars now five stars is something like you know you're in full climbing gear you know, abseiling down in a in a cave somewhere, <laughs> and then you need to crawl through tight spaces, and you know, you know, do like extreme stuff. Um, and there's uh, and and also we have we had and still have a real affection to bridges. So if you're in Latvia and you're you know driving over a bridge, there's a high possibility there's a cache under the bridge. Okay. Um. Yeah, and uh, there's so in in the capital there's this big river that divides the capital in two, uh, called Daugava. So the capital is called Riga, and there's the main bridges that connect the two sides of the city. And there's uh, there's a suspension bridge. There's uh, well we call it the stone bridge, and then there's a iron bridge, which is the railway bridge, and there's an island bridge, and then there's the new southern bridge. So five main bridges. And at some point there was there was caches under all of them, but um, again, they're not all active now because of um, simply because of reasons uh, that to find them you were in high risk of being arrested oh. because, say, railway bridge is uh, it's like a what do you call there's a special term for it i think you know it's like a significant kind of like a significant object for the state okay you know like if someone planted explosives on the railway bridge right you know it's a <clears throat> so like it's a heightened like a heightened security yeah area. i can't think of the, the term off so hand. no one should be really you know loitering around there except people who you know, work there. That makes sense. So yeah, there were there were some of those um, where uh, yeah, so they're all under the bridges, and you need to get inside the bridges, and you know, get inside the kind of maintenance shafts and tunnels to get those geocaches. Oh wow! And so, and there were lots of geocaches like that when I started. And again, yeah, it's explained with the fact that yeah, all the people were twenty uh, something. Um, you know, they all really like to you know uh, climb uh, buildings explore abandoned places and uh, do stuff like that and then and then and at that point there was not much traveling geocaching going on i think like i think mostly people were sticking around their own countries okay. at least that was my impression because we all our events were just local events. I think we get our first meet and greet event where somebody from another country came and set up an event. That was only you know like a five years later or something after I started, like in the a bit later. And you know if you look at the events in a country now, most of them is going to be geocaches coming and setting a meet and greet event. Yeah. Do you? And so then those other geocaches were coming into the country and then they were finding, oh, you know, oh, it's a terrain three cache, you know, friendly, uh, tourist friendly, kids friendly. And then they come and it's something uh, they can't do because it's not what yeah, they were expecting. Crawl under somewhere. Yeah. 
So in your experience, uh, are you aware of any geocaching associations that were there in Latvia? Uh, you mean like official? Like a, like a local, regional associations. Uh, I don't know if you would call them official. Like in my area, we have, um, they call it Slaga, St. Louis area geocachers association it kind of encompasses about a hundred mile radius out of the greater st louis area and it promotes geocachers in that area getting together plans events tries to help per you know um what's the word i'm blanking on the word that i want here uh but help promote geocaching to the public and in, in a positive way yeah. and help promote yeah. geocaching to families and stuff do you have, did Latvia have anything mm, like that? I'll say no. Well, then again, I've kind of been out of the loop uh, a lot in the last few years. So, uh, but I will say that I don't think they are. I think it's too small. Okay. So it's probably, you know, if you say a hundred mile radius, well, the whole country you know to drive from one side to the other it's you know you can do it in one day easily so it's um i think it's too small to have these separate kind of factions or okay. um there's usually when there's like a press um you know there's every now and then there's an article in the local media about geocaching or someone's being interviewed uh, for like a local show or something like that it's always just individual geocachers, um, you know, telling their own things. Um, the only thing that I can think of, we did have a couple of mega events okay. uh, a while a while ago, and then for the mega event, uh, you know, some geocachers came together and they actually made an official entity for the sense of you know, because when you're applying for sponsorships and when you're selling stuff, you, you know, you need bank accounts, right. you need, um, you know, an officially registered entity within the, um, you know, not like a business, but still in the same register. Right. Yeah. So, uh, so official you know, you committee can, of some like, sort. Taxes yeah. and all, all, all that. Yeah. 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 So there was an official committee, but uh, I don't think that's doing anything now. That's just probably sitting dormant because we haven't had, we did have two mega events in 2013 and 14. Okay. But again, it's the country is too small, and uh, we barely managed to scrape, like the so that first year we managed to scrape those 500 will attend logs to get the mega status, but then the actual turnout was maybe something like 300, 400 oh, okay. geocachers. But they still granted uh, for next year. They still granted the mega status because it's uh, you know like a recurring think so we didn't need the 500 will attends the next year but then the next year's attendance was much lower so it was only i think something like 200 or something cashers so they figured yeah it's just it's just too small to do the mega events so we haven't had one since okay and you know there's the big there's the big players nearby germany czech republic and you know they have all the gigas and megas and all right. that so so it sounds like if you want to go to those extremely large events you're traveling out of Latvia for the most part definitely definitely yeah yeah 
I do maintain a list of all the events in Latvia and then uh, I was looking at the attendance and uh, yeah, I think, you know, usually our events are like about 20 something people. Uh, I think the maximum, at, like just a regular event was about a hundred something people that we've had. Okay. So over there in Latvia, I'm not sure what your light posts are like, but a lot of the ones here in the United States have a little skirt that you can lift up. And we have our light post caches where you can put a little container underneath. And pe a lot of people love those light post caches. Uh, does Latvia have those? No, we don't have any of those light lampposts. Okay. Our lampposts are without the little skirt, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know if that's a specific type of lamppost that's, uh, you know, made somewhere, but uh, I don't think, and if I think about other places in Europe, I don't know if I've seen those. Okay. Um, yeah, it's just like just a little metal cover that they place on over top of the bolts and they generally yeah, just know, lift up. Yeah. And... In, in New Zealand, there's there's some, there's some okay. of them. But again, not, not every lamppost is that. It's some specific, like, yeah, around parking lots. Yeah, a lot of them are parking lots. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Again, that might have changed. There might be those lampposts now in Latvia, but uh, at least some years ago, no. Okay. From your experience, was there, like, a a really common or popular type of container often used by geocachers in latvia so used to be the film container okay. like the 35 millimeter film yeah uh, but you know obviously uh you know nowadays some people won't even know that it was a film container because you know digital cameras have been around for too yeah. long but now the most popular container is the you know the uh, the PET bottle preform. Okay, yeah. Um, like you know, those they're just like a little. Uh... Kind of look like a test tube with a a screw on lid. Yeah. yeah, they look like it. Look like a test tube, but it's just a standard, you know, uh, your Coke bottle lid. Yeah. And they are preforms because that's what's used. You know, they just being heated up and blown into a shape of a whatever bottle they're gonna become. But um, somehow they got really popular in, um, yeah, within geocaches. And now, you know, people are just buying them. And there's, I know a couple of cachers who have just, you know, they just buy boxes of them and then they kind of make, make like geocache kits, uh, okay. you know, make a, like a lo fitting logbook for it, a little pencil, and then just sell them to other geocachers, yeah. you know, with, uh, and uh, yeah, and that's why those have really been, uh, yeah, and they're really, so they're quite watertight and they're really easy to, you just kind of hang them on a little piece of wire and you can, you can just hang that in a, you know, in a tree or you can, you know, slide it, you know, put some magnets on it, just put it under a guardrail and um, yeah, they're quite versatile and, and, and good. Okay. But then it's kind of one of those, you know, people like loved and hated ones, yeah. you know, because people, people hate the micros in the woods. Yeah. So. Um, yeah. With all the, the forest there, 
and Latvia is, are there a lot of micros in the woods there these days? Uh, yeah, well, in the forest, because, you know, usually, like, yeah, that's good in the city, because then, you know, you there's a, a lot of times there's no place for a big right. cache, you know, you can't hide an ammo can somewhere on, on the street. But uh, in the forests, a lot of times it is actually, you know, like just a lunchboxy lock and lock type of containers uh, or clip and lock, okay. uh, however they call them in each country. Like those little lunchboxes with those clips. Yeah, lock and you know, locks are what I'm, I'm familiar with, Colin. Yeah, yeah, lock and lock. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but there are some, if it's a geocaching trail, then uh, yes, it's uh, most likely going to be those pet bottle preforms and there's even a little holder i think it's originally supposed to be like some sort of a pipe pvc pipe holder but it's the same diameter as the preform and then you just do one nail into you know into like either a fence post or a tree and then they nicely kind of clip into, into okay that. and then you know if it's going along the trail and yeah you just have couple hundred of those uh, of those bottle preforms okay and there's a uh, there's a couple of big uh well big ish for the country standards you know a few hundred if it's a few hundred geocaches that's a, that's a biggest power trail you you'll get in that's Latvia. pretty good size and um there's one there's this famous series that's dedicated to all the geocache all the local geocaches so there's about 200 something uh, caches hidden and each cache is named after a geocacher. Oh, wow. That's pretty neat. It's a power trail going through the forest. And it's like, yeah, it's one of these. So we have these really nice kind of pine forests that are really, um, yeah, the pine trees are quite far apart from each other. Okay. So, you know, you can walk through the forest really easily and there's not a lot of like gro other growth or bush cover. Okay. So it's like a, not, not a dense forest and it's really nice for walks and uh, Latvians like uh, do a lot of mushroom picking and and uh, yeah and then just geocaching there so yeah and I happened to find uh, I timed and found my my 2000 found cache was uh, my milestone was the cache with my own name that I found oh cool that's neat uh, yeah so you said the forests don't have a lot of extra undergrowth. So there's there's not a lot of bushwhacking and dealing with brambles and thorns and such. Yeah, I mean, the forests are uh, diverse as well. There's going to be lots of different types of forests. And okay. there's also quite a lot of swamp. Oh. So there can be maybe the forest itself. There's not a bushwhacking, but you're just walking in a swamp. Okay. But then, you know, some are thicker, some are denser, but uh, it's mostly those because there's a lot of, because we, that's our main export as well. It's uh, timber, okay. pine. And so there's lots of those planted pine forests and, you know, they're planted. So they're, they would be, uh, you know, kind of easy to cut down and then replant and all that. Okay. Okay which can pose problems when there's a geocaching trail and then suddenly all the, you know, the cutting of the forest begins and then, you know, the trail goes yeah, down. Suddenly a bunch of uh, geocaches are uh, disabled and yeah. archived. Yeah. 
Okay, so let's talk about New Zealand some now. New Zealand, as you said, much larger. And with the islands, the landscape is is fairly different, I imagine. So you, can you tell us what, um, you said you're on the Southern Island. Can yep, you tell yep, us what that, that area is like? Yeah, so that landscape's, uh, yeah, lots of nature, um, not that much population because it's the bigger of the two main islands but uh, at least well most of the people live in the north island uh, we only have i think we don't even have a million people in south island okay because there's about five there's about five million total in new zealand but then most of them live up in auckland uh, and in south island I, i'm in the biggest uh, city in south island which is christchurch and that's about i think four hundred thousand people and then the rest is mostly just small towns. Okay. In South Island. And so there's a lot of, uh, and there's this kind of, um, there's the Southern Alps going through through the country uh, and kind of dividing that East Coast and West Coast. So it's the islands, the island is just like a elongated, um, you know, like an, you know, kind of long shape. And uh yeah, and there's the Southern Alps in the middle, and then there's the West Coast, kind of rainy weather, and then it holds all the clouds there, and they all rain there, and then on the on the East Coast, there's not that much rain, and yeah, Christchurch is kind of in the middle on the East Coast. Okay. And Christ around Christchurch, actually, Christchurch is quite flat for New Zealand. Uh, we have we have the Port Hills, just um, kind of yeah, just in town as well, but on the on the edge of the town. So the town itself is really flat, and there's the Canterbury Plains, which are also quite flat. But then most of most of the country otherwise is, you know, kind of mountainous. Okay. But uh, again, I think it's a different. The elevations are not that high, because the highest mountain in New Zealand is Auraki Mount Cook, which is about three thousand seven hundred, and it's a really difficult, you know, a difficult mountaineering. You know, it's. I think it's considered one of the kind of most unpredictable mountains to climb. You oh. know, like not a lot of people climb it, just because of the weather and the avalanches and glaciers and all that. Okay. But um, yeah, so, which, uh, but that also does mean yeah that there's um, lots of lots of hiking geocaches, which uh, I like. So yeah, if you. Yeah, Mount Cook, obviously, that's, yeah, that has snow all year round, but then the lower mountains will have, you know, they will have snow on them in winter, but in summer, it's, you know, nice rocky walking trails. Okay. Um, of your geocaching there in New Zealand, has it been mostly just on the southern island or have you been to the other islands as well? I did live uh, when I first got here. I did live for five months in the North Island in Auckland, and uh, you know, geocached around there. And I've, and then there's the Chatham Islands. That um, so now it's actually reflected correctly on Project GC. But when I first got here, um, so I got here. That was the whole. You know, I, that's a different story, and that's you know for a different type of podcast. But I did like that's. You see my background image, that's a sign we set up, you know, just a long story short, 
was three of us from Latvia. We went on this big world trip when we left in 2014, arrived in New Zealand 15 months later, having traveled, uh, you know, all across Asia and all that. And um, Chatham Islands in New Zealand was our goal because that's the furthest inhabited place from, from Latvia. Like if you look okay. up the uh, antipode, it's just in the ocean. But then if you look for closest inhabited land, that's Chatham Islands in New Zealand. And that was that was our goal. We set up that sign and I found a few geocaches in the Chatham Islands as well. And at that point, it was funny because in Project GC, it said that I have found three out of two regions in New Zealand. So the Chatham Islands wasn't, like it's such an kind of unknown, it's just these two tiny islands, okay. uh, which are, uh, the and, and the thing is they're on the other side of the, the prime, uh, is it the prime, prime meridian? meridian? Yeah, so they are, like if I just look at my, so I have so I have the most westerly cache found in west 176 degrees in Chatham Islands in New Zealand okay. and then I have my most easterly cache found east 176 degrees in New Zealand so it's uh, yeah the Chatham Islands are on the other side of that where the you know the divide between west and wow, east okay. is and uh, and so that that also means it's really weird on maps. Like if you look at the map, if, if you scroll in your map in GPS, like there's sometimes there's weird glitches because it kind of you know it kind of can't understand the divide between it's, east okay. and west. And then the, if you look at sometimes the world map, the Chatham Islands jump completely on the other side, and then it's all yeah, it's sometimes it's all yeah, all kind of weird. Okay. But anyway, now it's now it's now it's correct. And now it says on Project GC that I've found three out of three regions in New Zealand. So they've they've finally included Chatham Islands uh, in in those stats as well. But um, yeah, so there's the yeah the main regions are New North Island, South Island, and Chatham Islands. And I found some caches on all three. And then again, it's divided in smaller smaller regions within. Each, each kind. So, each uh, like island. counties or parishes or how, however they're called. Or... So there's, uh, so there's, seventeen counties, uh, as per Project GC in okay. New Zealand, but actually they're not counties. They are actually regions. regions. Okay. Like you know, if you in in real life, you wouldn't call it a county. It's, it's a, region. a region. Okay. But it's. But for this, to, you know, because it's all standardized in Project GC, so obviously, you know, locally. And so, yeah, there's not that many to find. And, you know, you can't really go county hunting that much in New Zealand. There's only 17. But, I mean, I still have three more to cash in. I've, I've cashed in 14 out of the 17. Wow. So I still have a couple of, yeah, three regions to go to. So when you moved to New Zealand, from a geocaching standpoint, what kind of change did you see? So again, yeah, the biggest change was those um, was just that the demographic 
and uh, and the cache kind of ratings, the terrain ratings, because I went to my first event here, and uh, you know, without expecting anything really, and uh, you know, I would say ninety nine percent of the uh, of other geocachers were older than me, whereas in Latvia, you know, they were all about my age, and if I go to a geocaching event in Latvia now, you know, I'm now I'm 35, you know, I'll have, you know, I'll see lots of people who are younger than me. Whereas here, people that are younger than me in events are, you know, geocaches kids or, <laughs> you know, 10 years, 10 years old. So, um, so yeah, that's, uh, and yeah, and you go, if it's, you know, it's, it might be a easy, little easy hike and, you know, it's going to be a terrain, four stars, five stars, well, maybe not five <laughs> stars for the easy, you know, really easy hikes, but still. So it's really kind of, it's easy to get those because in, if in Latvia, those terrain four, 4.5, terrain five caches, they were really rare and really hard okay. to get. You know, you actually have to plan something, get gear together, get other people here you know you just go on a little hike and you know you get 10 terrain five geocaches a day okay but it's more about that the hikes can be long so you can here in new zealand that's that's another beauty of it that you know you you have a lot of easy caches in around town but you also have those you can there can be caches where you actually need to do a multi-day hike to get there okay Unless you have a helicopter. <laughs> That's another, you know. As far as the landscape being different, what about the wildlife of the two areas? How is how is that different between Latvia and New Zealand? Yeah, so I, well, you know, you probably, you've, you've heard of New Zealand wildlife being unique in the way, you know, there's the flightless birds here and... Um, we have no snakes here. Um, you know, there's unlike Australia, where you know everything will try to kill you. Yes. Uh, here, <laughs> nothing tries to kill you. Uh, you so you can happily stick your hands into unknown places and dark little stumps and and all that, and uh, nothing will happen. There's a couple of spiders that are like, you know, they're a tiny bit venomous, but. You know, it's not going to be the end of the world if, if they bite you. There's this one one nasty spider here where it's not the venom of the spider, but it's the bite because the spiders, I think they feed on rotting flesh. Okay. Yes. So if it bites you, it's just a really high chance of infection. So you have to clean it as soon as possible. It's like a corrosive Otherwise it gets, gets infected and yeah, I've... I've seen yeah i've seen someone who had like this kind of big like it was an old scar but it was like almost like a hole in his leg yeah where, uh, it was just like he get the spider bite and get all infected we we have one like that here called the brown recruit so it's a very corrosive venom and it will yeah destroy yeah. the, yeah, the a, flesh like white, that white tail spider here other than that yeah no snakes no other, you know, no black widows or anything like that. What about Latvia? There's there snakes. And... There is in Latvia. It's also pretty tame. Okay. Uh, but we do have 
one venomous snake in Latvia. Okay. And the funny thing is that basically we only have two types of we only have two snakes in Latvia. Oh, okay. Well, technically we have three, but the third one's so rare that you never see it. But then there's the two common ones. One's venomous, one's completely harmless, and they both look very similar. Ah, of course they do. <laughs> and it is like there's this pattern on the head that you like you need to know. Like, you know, if you if you haven't seen them, you know, if you haven't looked them up before, you won't know which ones which you have to know the pattern. And I found uh, I found actually plenty of those venomous ones while while caching. I've never gotten bitten by one, but um, yes, you have to like if you're lifting, you know, some maybe there's you know some old wood or something in the forest. Yeah, sometimes you have to be mindful that yeah, just lift it, check if there's a snake before sticking your hand in. Right. And uh, yeah, they like to, they kind of like to sunbathe around the swamps sometimes. I've, I've been on these trails around the swamps and then sometimes you just see like a huddle of them, uh, you're just like sunbathing in the sun. But then, you know, if you don't, you know, you just don't mind them, they don't mind you. Okay. Unless they're in the middle of the trail and you step on one. Okay. And other than that, yeah, Latvia wildlife, it's a lot of... Uh, Deer, moose, um, we have like five brown bears in the country. <laughs> um, you know, those kind of people say that there's some bears in some woods. No one has ever seen one. No, well, there are actually, I think I've heard that there's actually more now, like they've migrated from Russia or something. Okay. Um, and there was this tale about uh, like, it's kind of like an urban legend about this bear there's this tiny island. So in Lat Latvia, we have, um, so the Baltic Sea has like a big gulf, the Gulf of Riga. Okay. And uh, there's a little island in the middle of that gulf. And actually, island technically belongs to Estonia. Some Somehow we gave it away after the First World War. And now we don't have any islands in the sea. Okay. Well, Estonia has like hundreds. And so I don't know why we gave away our only one. <laughs> but anyway, there's... So apparently one springtime, and so they definitely didn't have any bears on that island. But then one springtime, the locals on the island saw that there's like a bear footprints. And they're like, what's, you know, like, we don't have any bears, like what's happening? And uh, so there was this this urban or urban legend that this bear, so the in, in winter, the Gulf freezes over. So you can right. you know, walk on the ice in, on the sea. So apparently a bear, walked over on the ice, walked to the island. And then in springtime, the ice melted and uh, the bear was stuck on the island. And apparently the next winter, he, he got away. And huh. so like no one knows, you know, was there a bear? Was there not a bear? That's wild. Yeah. What about in New Zealand? Are there any kind of big mammals down there or larger predators of any kind? Uh, yeah, so no predators really yeah because we well that's the whole kind of thing that new zealand tries to do like they try to keep predator free because um yeah you know if we got any natural kind of predators uh that would kind of be the end of uh those flightless birds here so yeah because they're really you know they can't really fend for themselves they can't fly away um so there's actually i've seen so so there's possums okay 
which is in Australia, it's an endangered species. In New Zealand, it's a pest. Okay. So it's funny how in New Zealand, uh, people say, you know, only possum is a no, only good possum is a dead possum. And then I think in Australia, you know, it's some something else, you know, it's like endangered. And those are um, those are different than the types of possums we have up here in the United States. I think it's different. Yeah. 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 I think it's spelled different, doesn't it? It's such an a, O. Oh, a it? silent O. Yeah. 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 So they they, they kind of yeah, they look they just like yeah a little furry your, like you your possums are sometimes. cuter looking than than ours <laughs> yeah yeah and they freeze so uh, a lot of times like in the nighttime you know i've been driving uh, back from somewhere and then you see like if you see one they like it freezes in the headlights like it just okay. like instantly like it, you know i think it thinks that you know if it if I'm not moving, you can't see me. Okay. Which is uh, obviously not true. Um, but yeah, it's funny how yeah, it's one time yeah we were coming back from uh, yeah doing some geocaching um, out here, and there was one on a, something like a road bridge on on the on the hand on the you know the guardrail on the road bridge, and okay. it just like yeah you know, just throws in the headlights on the on on the bridge and just like <laughs> uh, you can't you can't see me. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, there's actual rewards for hunting them, and uh, on the Chatham Islands, actually, it's even more because it's even more secluded. And they have one of you know they have some of the rarest bird species in the world there. They they had the the rarest oyster catcher bird on the Chatham Islands, and uh, and some other birds that are only on the Chatham Islands, and they had an actual cash prize. They apparently had one feral cat out somewhere, and they had an actual cash prize for whoever shoots it. Wow. wow. And uh, and I think no, on the Chatham Islands, it might even be that they don't have any rodents. Like we have mice, you know, on the main islands, we have mice and rats and, and all that. But uh, I think in the Chatham Islands, it might even be rodent-free. Okay. Yeah, with such rare species, I am. it sounds like they're very concerned about protecting and preserving that, that natural habitat. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, if you travel, if you ever travel to New Zealand, you know, they're going to ask you to declare all the food you have, whether you have been in wilderness areas in the last few months, whether you have hiking boots, whether you're bringing any wood or anything in the country. So, yeah, they're kind of really precious about that and understandably so. Yeah. Join me for the rest of the conversation in the next episode. Until then cash on you've been listening to geocache adventures with me shadow dragon one if you'd like to get in touch you can reach out to me on facebook instagram or go to geocacheadventures.org and you can find the information on the contact page theme music is by the travel bugs thanks for listening i hope you enjoyed this episode have you heard of ftf magazine it's the magazine for geocachers it is full of articles and pictures all submitted by geocachers just like you 
I'm a subscriber myself and I love it. My favorite part is the little snippets on the edges of the articles on all the different pages. Those are my favorites. Just go to ftfgeo.com to check them out and tell them Shadow Dragon 1 sent you.